Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 556th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you an American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Rebel News Network. But as always, this show is about the American game, American soccer as a whole. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. If you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as we are getting closer and closer to the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar, the question will always be asked, who is going to be on the roster officially by Greg Berhalter to challenge that little golden trophy. And so far, what we have seen in these champ in these I should excuse me in these uh, matches in Europe, my goodness, what we have seen are some of these players who have really stepped up their game. Brendan Aronson, Tyler Adams of Leeds. We have seen Weston McKenney over at Juventus. Giovanni Reina at the moment, a little bit here and there, but Borussia Dortmund does understand that he is one of their best players and needs to slowly be moved in. Is he considered a starter for this national team or is he a super sub? I think he'll be more of a sub at the moment, but that's not a bad thing. Too much talent in this men's national team to say who's going to start, who's going to be coming off the bench. Yunus Musa, in my opinion, should already have a goal, but unfortunately the golasso was wiped out because of VAR and a silly offside call that, in my opinion, is not offside. Not offside at all. And I truly believe that this situation was wrong and that his goal should have stood for Valencia. But now Musa is being shown as a starter for one of the top Spanish sides in all of La Liga. But we all know in reality it's Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid right now. But if Valencia can be that number four, with Musa on it, because this, my friends, is what we are seeing, and it's awesome. Now, at the moment, and and I understand if some of you are going to be telling me, well, you know, we really shouldn't be too worried about this particular position on the field because it's not a big deal when it comes to minutes or sharpness or game minutes or whatever, as long as they're training with the best players in the world then, you know, it shouldn't be an issue. But in my opinion, it is an issue. Because if we're going to complain about Christian Pulisic not getting minutes at Chelsea, if we're going to complain about certain American players not getting their due playing for these European sides, well then by all means, Christian Pulisic is a part of that. But what really bothers me and what really gives me an issue is goalkeeper. And right now, there's a problem. Right now, there is a problem with goalkeeper that, you know, all my years of watching this national team play, whether it be Tony Miola, whether it be Casey Keller, Brad Friedel, Tim Howard, Brad Guzan, Nick Raimondo, Luis Robles, and any, any top-notch American goalkeeper. 
whether they play in MLS or they play in Europe, it is tough to see Zach Steffen not playing well, now suffering an injury. Matt Turner, who I have said should be the men's national team goalkeeper, now not so sure because he's not even starting for Arsenal. Ethan Horvath, who has played in eight matches so far on loan, who out of those three should be our starting goalkeeper for this national team roster going into Qatar? And to be fair and to be honest, right now, I don't know if I trust any goalkeeper at the moment. I don't know if I have any faith in goalkeeping at the moment, even though some of you will say to me, well, it's not a big deal. As long as you're training with the best players in the world, that's all that matters. But I want match-in, match-out fitness, game sharpness. And if we don't get that from a goalkeeper for this World Cup, it's three and out. It could be three and out regardless. But at the end of the day, what are we looking for here? We cannot use excuses to claim that playing and training with the best players in the world is going to be the answer to that question. What is the answer to that question? Who's playing better? Who's playing consistently? Who is going to give the United States the top level of goalkeeping that we have always known that position to have in the United States? Well, for those of you just discovering him, and I'll be honest, I just discovered him myself, but apparently he is the starting goalkeeper for Maccabee Haifa in the Israeli top division, Josh Cohen. And it was Josh Cohen, Champions League League qualifying, that has put Maccabee Haifa into the group stage of the UEFA Champions League starting this coming Tuesday, Wednesday. And even though Haifa is going to have a very, very tough set of challenges in their group, in the group stage of the UEFA Champions League, what is the truth? The truth is simple. The truth is, he is a consistent starting goalkeeper playing in consistent starting minutes, consistent starting games. That is the situation that is in front of us. And yes, yes, Haifa is going to have a problem with Paris Saint-Germain and with Benfica and with Juventus in their group stage matches in Group H of the UEFA Champions League. But you know what? He's getting six extra, six extra games against players like Mbappe, Neymar, Lionel Messi, the best players out of Portugal in Benfica, Weston McKenney, and the best Italian players that are playing for Juventus. Truth hurts, folks. The truth hurts. Because as of right now, as of right now, there are question marks with goalkeeping, whether you like it or not. And granted, granted, even though it is not one of the top four nations in Europe when it comes to world football, he is getting minutes. He is playing. 
He is getting an opportunity. Starting minutes. What have I said before? What have I said many, many times to all of you on social media? What matters here? What matters here right now? What matters here right now? What is the most important thing that our goalkeepers must have? Starting minutes. The most important moments for this national team. Starting minutes. Regardless of who Greg Berhalter picks for the national team for this roster, regardless of who gets called up, regardless of who is going to be on that roster, they better have starting minutes and they better be playing match in and match out. That is all I'm asking for. I want consistency. I do not want Greg Berhalter to take a blindfold, cover his eyes, and then throwing a dart at the board and to see what sticks. That is not what we want. That is not what we are asking for. You know, I go on social media a lot. Because I want to see what the temperature is with the fandom. And there are many people out there who believe in what tactical manager says, Filippo Silva. And, you know, I I respect Filippo's opinions. I do respect his opinions because I think he has a a, a, a good handle on the national team situation. As do I also believe in Carter Krishnire, my cohort and my colleague from World Soccer Talk, when he has the ability of watching American players for both Europe, abroad, and domestically here in the United States. The uneducated fan, and yes, I'm going that route the uneducated American soccer fan that looks at Premier League or bust, La Liga or bust, Bundesliga or bust, Serie A or bust, does not know a damn thing that they're talking about. Yes, those are the top leagues in Europe, and those are the top leagues in each country. But even if you're in the second division, it's still strong enough to pose an issue because those clubs that go to be promoted and relegated back into the second division can be promoted again. And maybe they get relegated again. Norwich could be promoted again at the end of the year the way that they're going and the way that Josh Sargent has been scoring. Beggars cannot be choosers. That is the truth. Whether you want to hear it or not, be choosers. Whoever gets picked for this national team, whoever gets picked for this roster, whoever makes it to this roster, there are no more complaints. There are no more crying. There's no more whining. There's no more how dare Berhalter pick this person when he stinks, he doesn't do well, anything that goes on. Greg Berhalter will choose the 23 players, depending, I believe that they've extended the roster, but I'm not sure. So for now, I'm going to say 23. I believe it might be 26, but I'm going to wait until it's official. Because I am not sure if FIFA has extended the rosters. But you need to understand over there You need to understand, this is the biggest sporting event in the world. This is the biggest moment for our players that wear our national team jerseys. That represents our flag, that represents that crest that says USA on it. 
the stars and stripes. Just as the Olympics are the biggest youth tournament in the history of this game, the World Cup is the largest, hugest, amazing football tournament and party the world has ever known. You don't want to be on the sidelines. You want your nation to be a part of it. You want your country to be there. And until we find out who Greg Berhalter will select for Qatar 2022, we're just going to have to dial it back and we are just going to have to find a way to wait and be patient. Because if we're not going to be patient for this, if we're not going to be patient for this, then we're all going to lose. This is where I keep saying to everybody, the fandom has failed. And the truth of the matter is, I still believe that until someone gets it through their thick skulls, that we cannot be divisive against our own players, regardless of where they play. We all have to understand, we all have to know that the progression of the American player is dependent on playing domestically and abroad. They all intertwine, all at the same level. If you will not understand that, then there's no hope of saying, I'm excited because we're going to the World Cup. I'm rooting for our national team to be in the World Cup. But instead, we're going to have dividers. And I'm not saying our players do not deserve to play in Europe. That's not my goal. I want our players to be in Europe. I am happy for our players to be in Europe. But the truth of the matter is this. We cannot root for any player that gets selected on the national team and pray to God they fail. I want all of our players to go out and I want them to be successful and I want them to win every single match that they play and be the first nation outside of Europe and South America to hoist that little golden trophy to say to the world and to tell the world, look at us. Look at this country. Look what we have done. Look at the achievement we have created. You cannot deny us any longer We are a footballing nation. We believe in this game called soccer. We believe in this game called football. We have players now will go out and play strong and play hard and physical. We are no longer the players that you can get to play goal. We are no longer the players to play defense or defensive mid. We are now the creators, the attacking runs, the strikers, the ability to convert chances. Our players are now on the forefront and they're doing well. And I cannot wait for them to finally get their opportunity to move on and to do a job. It's going to be spectacular. Great show for you tonight. 
Tonight, I'll preview the 2022 U.S. Open Cup Final that will be played this coming Wednesday night at Explore Stadium in Orlando, Florida. And you can watch that match on ESPN Plus Live as Orlando City will take on Sacramento Republic from USL Championship. And it should be an exciting time, exciting moment for these two teams. It should be an exciting time for these two teams moving forward. And normally I would have guests already. Normally I would have the opportunity to have guests, one from each side, coming on the show to talk about their clubs on their Open Cup journeys. Unfortunately for me, and for you, unfortunately, uh, I do not have anyone from Sacramento. I do not have anyone from Orlando. And it is a damn shame because apparently they believe podcasts or interviews or whatever, that they don't believe in these so-called social media situations. So it looks like I'm going to have to just go through everything uh, by myself. And that's a shame. It's a very, very, very big shame. You know, I wish that I was a part of ESPN I wish I was a part of Fox Sports. I wish I was a part of NBC Sports, CBS Sports, you know, local sports networks and stuff, regional sports networks. I really wish I was. I even wish I was a part of uh, Sirius XMFC. I really wish I was, but I'm not. But unfortunately, Orlando City and Sacramento Republic uh, never returned my uh my requests they've decided to uh stay silent i i sent an email they've requested emails and everything else and you know it's just really really sad um it's just really really sad that I could not get anybody for uh for this uh for this show and uh you know, what are you going to do? There's nothing, you know, you can say. There's nothing you can do. Just complain about it. And, you know, I don't I don't try to toot my own horn. I don't want to, you know, go out there and, you know, give out my accomplishments or my uh, negatives that have gone against me or for me because I, I just want to be shown, seen as a respected person. You know, I've been in the new sports news business since December 1999. I know I put it out there on Twitter. But still, though, I don't want to complain. I, I, I don't want to, you know, do this. But, you know, after all the things I've been through, after all the things I've gone through, not just in my job life professionally, but, you know, what I've just gone through physically with all these injuries um, especially with my health. You know, you'd like to think that maybe, just maybe, I would get uh, an opportunity to uh, talk to, uh, you know, a member of the coaching staff or a member or the head coach themselves. But unfortunately, in their eyes, I'm considered, ins- you know, insignificant, not worth the time. But that's fine, if that's how they feel, if that's uh, their feeling, that's quite all right. 
Because usually, I get responses every single time I contact these clubs in MLS, in USL, PDL, or actually what was PDL now, USL League 2. MPSL, as you know, I've been uh, collaborating with them for these last two to three years. And, you know, with some of these owners and some of these coaches and players representing these USL, these NPSL teams, it's been a wonderful partnership with them. But, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, thank goodness that I have good rapport with the majority of these MLS sides including the New York Red Bulls, but what are you going to do? It's difficult, it's tough, but you've got to keep on going. But thank goodness that you do have a good working relationship with other writers that cover these teams in the Open Cup and in MLS as a whole. So I personally cannot wait for them so I can talk to them on the show and we can have some fun with that. But let's go ahead and move on. Let's talk about the journey by Sacramento Republic. It got started in the second round with a destruction over Portland Timbers under 23 sides in USL League 2. It was basically a complete destruction. 6-0 in the second round. Duke Lacroix, Damia Vider, Matt Lagrasa, Rodrigo Lopez, that man. Duke Lacroix, Zico Lewis, making it 6-0 over Portland Timbers, under-23 squad. And then they moved on to round three, where they took on Central Valley Fuego. It was a 44th-minute goal by Dan Casey in the third round. But then Bustamante for Central Valley levels the score at one in the 76th minute. But in second-half stoppage time, that man again, Rodrigo Lopez, he makes it 2-1 the final for Sacramento Republic, and then they move on to the fourth round. It would be a 2-0 victory over Phoenix Rising as Luis Felipe makes it 1-0 in the 30th minute, and then Douglas Martinez late in the match in the 88th makes it 2-0 Sacramento to end that night. And then you move on to the fifth round where they took on the San Jose Earthquakes in the fifth round. Luis Felipe, once again, makes it 1-0 in the 20th minute. It's nothing San Jose can do. And Rodrigo Lopez closes it out with a second goal of the match in the 83rd minute. 2-0 Sacramento over the San Jose Earthquakes. And then you move on to the quarterfinals. And what a victory by Sacramento Republic, the capital club from the state of California, defeating the Los Angeles Galaxy on the road. Rodrigo Lopez opening up in the fourth minute. It was an own goal by Sacramento's Connor Donovan to give the Galaxy that equalizer. And then in the 70th minute, Luis Felipe Fernandez on a bouncer made it 2-1 in the 70th minute. And then they would move on to that penalty shootout in the semifinals against Sporting Kansas City. Everybody was scoring. My God. Malik Foster with the Panenka in the fourth round of the shootout, how he was able to have the nerve to do that. An excellent, excellent analyzing by Devin Kerr on the broadcast call, but on ESPN+. And then it was Graham Zuzzi who was stopped. Rodrigo Lopez with the invitation on his boot found a way to beat the keeper, and it would be scoreless through regulation and extra time. 5-4 Sacramento Republic penalty kick shootout to advance into the Open Cup final. And my goodness, that was unbelievable to watch. It was great to see that happen. And all you can say for Sacramento Republic with that opportunity 
they took advantage of it and they went out and did the job. It was spectacular. And I have to say that they are looking to make history not only as the third lower league side to be in the Open Cup Finals since Major League Soccer began in 1996, but hopefully the second side to win the championship since the Rochester Raging Rhinos of 1999. Charleston Battery in 2008 made the final, but lost to D.C. United two goals to one. That match, they should have had a second equalizer to make it 2-2. Did not happen, unfortunately, because of due to the offside flag going up, which I still contend to this day was not offside. They should have gone to extra time, but it did not. And D.C. United won the Open Cup in 2008, that year. But Orlando City begins their run in the third round, defeating the Tampa Bay Rowdies two goals to one. Alexander Pato with the penalty in the 52nd minute makes it 1-0. Junior Urso making it 2-0 until Lucky Mikosana two minutes later makes it 2-1, but that's as far as it went. And Orlando City advances to the fourth round. And then in the fourth round, they host the Philadelphia Union. Big goal by Erkan Cara in the 54th minute. Andreas Pera in the 57th minute made it 2-0 Orlando. And in the 77th minute, Stuart Findlay pulled one back, but that's as far as it goes. The Union get eliminated by Orlando City in the fourth round. Final of two goals to one. And then Orlando hosting Inter-Miami into the match. And it would be in extra time, Jean Mota of Inter-Miami making it 1-0 in the 94th minute. But Facundo Torres in the 97th minute pulled one back to make it 1-1. And then it went into extra time. Excuse me, it went to the round of penalties as Orlando defeats Inter-Miami in penalties, four goals to two. Campana, one nothing. Cara, 1-1. Duke gets stopped. Robbie Jensen converts. DeAndre Edlin is stopped. Para converts. Ariel Lassender converts, but it didn't matter anyway because Perea makes it 4-2 for Orlando City in the fifth round. And Orlando City advances to the quarterfinals. And in that quarterfinal matchup, it would be Hani Mukhtar of Nashville in the quarterfinals with a delicate chip to make it 5-2. I mean, excuse me, to make it 1-0 in the 52nd minute. And then in second half stoppage time, out of nowhere, Rodrigo Schlegel finds the equalizer, making it 1-1. And then we get into extra time. Nothing happens. Sean Davis, though, got a secondary yellow card. Schill goes down the 10 men the rest of the way. And then we go to a penalty kick shootout. Eric Cara, one nothing, as Alex Mawil misses. Robbie Jansen converts. Ike Loba converts to one. Orlando, Andreas Pera misses. Jack Mara converts. And then everyone's converting until you get to the seventh round of the penalty kick shootout. Eric Miller misses. Facundo Torres converts. And then Orlando's off to the semifinals. And then in the semifinals, the New York Red Bulls on the road at Orlando City. Lewis Morgan in the first minute of first half stoppage time makes it 1-0. But Cesar Arujo equalizes late in first half stoppage time to make it 1-1. And then the match winner by Mauricio Pereira in the 47th minute. Cesar Arujo in the 62nd for a second of the match. Fagundo Torres in the 75th minute, and then Benji Michel making it 
in the 83rd, and Orlando City advances to the championship final to host Sacramento Republic. This is a big match. Sacramento flew from Louisville City to Orlando. The match will be this coming Wednesday on ESPN+. Plus, this is the biggest match for both teams, for Orlando and Sacramento. For both of them, this is their first trip to the championship final for the U.S. Open Cup. Interesting set of circumstances for the 2023 tournament. Because if Orlando wins, it remains the same who qualifies for entrance to which round. But if Sacramento wins, Sacramento Republic will go and open in the fourth round. And I believe that might affect certain spots for amateur sides to begin in the early rounds. Now, I'm not quite sure how that will work. We're going to have to wait until the final happens, and then we'll get clarification from U.S. Soccer and from the Open Cup Committee. But right now, as of right now, there is a final to watch. And all of you, I know, are going to be excited about this. I'm excited about this. I personally cannot wait. It's going to be exciting and fun, and I'm expecting a big one. Do I expect to give a uh, prediction? No. When it comes to a championship final, predictions are thrown out the window. I'm going to watch, and I'm going to wait and see what's going to happen. Because right now, as of right now, this is going to be the matchup of all matchups. David versus Goliath in the ultimate championship final of American soccer, the national champion of American soccer is on display and it's up for grabs. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be fun and I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Going to get ready for this one, folks. This is going to be exciting. And it's going to be wonderful. And I really do hope, really do hope that it's going to be a fun one. And I cannot wait. So we'll see who will make the call. And uh, enjoy it on ESPN, whether I believe it will be John Champion and Taylor Twelman. And hoping Devin Kerr will be on the sidelines for this one. We'll have to wait and see. But this is going to be exciting. It's going to be a magical thing. I cannot wait to see what will happen on Wednesday night at Explora Stadium. It will be a lot of fun. Now it's time for the Red Bulls segment. We're going to review two matches. And before we review the matches... I'm going to talk about Drew Yearwood. We all know Drew Yearwood is a good person. We all know Drew Yearwood would never, ever pull a stunt like he did, unfortunately, on Saturday at Red Bull Arena. But he is going to suffer the consequences of his actions. We all know he did not mean to do it, but it happened. Drew Yearwood, in a frustration of being called for a foul, being down two goals to nil to the Philadelphia Union, took his frustrations out on the ball, smashed it into the stands, and unfortunately hitting a girl, and possibly another kid in the stands at Red Bull Arena. And when he realized automatically what he did, he went over the ad boards, climbed into the seats to the child, 
and to the family to apologize for what he did. And even though a member of the family or maybe just a a fellow fan who told him, no, don't go, don't go there, don't go there, or told him to stay away, at least he went to apologize. At least he went to say he was sorry. And yes, in that moment, he got double yellowed. One, obviously for smashing the ball into the crowd. The second one, either the first one was for the foul, and then the second one was hitting the ball into the crowd, or the first one was for hitting the ball into the crowd, and the second one was leaving the pitch without the proper notification from the referee. That is just my assessment of what the double yellow was for. I am not completely sure. I have to go back and check on the notes. But, you know, that's that's just tough for um, for Drew Yearwood to handle that. And I and I feel bad for him. I do. I feel bad for him. I feel bad that he made a mistake. And right off the bat, right off the bat, he apologized. And even though he was sent off and he will be suspended for the next match against New England Revolution this coming weekend, let me just say that this official statement from Drew Yearwood, nothing but class, and I respect him for what he did. And from his statement from the New York Rebels is this. I want to apologize from the bottom of my heart to the fans who were hit by the ball I kicked at Saturday's match. My emotions got the best of me on this day, and I've let down the entire organization and every single New York Red Bulls fan. I hope the fans are okay and that they can forgive me. And you know what? I think they will. I hope they will. But I know that the club is reaching out to the family who was sitting there. And it's not a pretty picture. It's not a pretty sight at all. And I do believe, and, you know, look, Drew Yearwood is very sincere. I expect the league to give him additional matches to suspend. I also believe there will probably be a fine involved. And I'm not saying this because I think he deserves it. I just think that it's going to happen. He knows what he did was wrong. And I'm not here to bash him or take him down or make him feel worse than he already does. He knows what he did. And he automatically went to apologize. I give him respect for that. It's just the consequences of his actions are going to be proven that there's going to be additional games for a suspension. But it's not like he had a hissy fit when Kaku was begging for the ball and then when uh, it got deflected out that, you know, he had a hissy fit when he did not get the ball and smashed it into the crowd in Kansas City. It's nothing like that. But there was another time before that, Rebels fans, where there was a moment where a Red Bull player did smash the ball into the crowd again during a match. 
And this was during the CONCACAF Champions League. This was during the round of 16 second leg match against the Dominican Republic side. And I forget their name at the moment. I have to look it up. You know, in the first leg of the match down in Dominican Republic, uh, Michael Murillo was being harassed all match long. And then he he retaliated, unfortunately. He retaliated. And... uh, got a yellow card for that. Coming back to Red Bull Arena in the second leg where they basically were handling them pretty easily. And he got upset. Mario because he got called for a foul. And then he smashed the ball into the press box on my side of the press box and nearly took my head off. Not that he was aiming for me, but his emotions got the best of him and he got a yellow card, the second one, and he got suspended for the quarterfinal matchup at home against Santos Laguna and that opponent from the Dominican Republic was Atletico Pantoja from the Dominican Republic First Division League. So that, my friends, was the first time this whole situation has ever happened. It's uh, it's not a good idea to do stuff like that, but what are you going to do? Nothing you can do. You just got to hope and pray that you don't see that stuff ever again. And I hope uh, Drew Yearwood has learned his lesson, which I believe he has. And that, you know, they'll he'll move on and uh, be ready for uh, the next match after his one match suspension or depending on how many more games he'll be suspended by the league. Hopefully it'll be a second, hopefully it'll be a two match suspension. And a fine meaning the red card for this coming weekend. And then of course, missing the next game in September before we get to the international break. But tough times, very, very tough times. And uh, we'll have to wait and see what will happen there. But other than that, I believe Drew Yearwood has learned his lesson. Now we're going to review the games, and let me tell you something. The 1-0 victory in Montreal, the first victory ever since Montreal came into the league back in 2012 as the New York Red Bulls, their only victory in Montreal was their Inaugural season for, at the time, uh, the Montreal Impact. Now Club de Foot Montreal. First ever victory ever at Stade Saputo. As that victory was held in the early years, in the early season dates at the Olympic Stadium. What a job of a goal made by Lewis Morgan. 13th goal of the season. Gets a lovely ball from Christian Casares Jr. Down the far side, cuts into the area, catches the keeper off his line, tries to slide in, chips the ball over the keeper, and it rolls harmfully into the back of the net to make it 1-0, and that stood the entire match. What we have seen from this Red Bull side, especially a player like Daniel Edelman, who has been growing quickly 
into his defensive mid-roll and also bringing up the ball, the, the channels he provides, the lanes that he passes into, the link-up play. He will always make his presence known when he puts himself into position to bury a chance is unbelievable. How he is growing up in front of our eyes is just it's just amazing. Just amazing. Carlos Cornell having a good match himself. And Elise Manuel, I thought he looked better game against Philadelphia. But I have to say, big three points to remain, to make that jump, I should say, into third place to leapfrog New York City FC, who lost to DC United, two goals to one, and continues to fall on the road and at home in these games. They are in fourth. Who knows how much more they're going to fall if the other teams behind them are going to jump up into playoff positioning. We'll have to wait and see. But right now, this has been a magical, magical time for the Red Bulls with their young and promising players going out there and doing a job. This is just unreal and unbelievable what's happening. And the Red Bulls should be applauded for developing fantastic players in their academy, playing on their professional teams, under 23s in USL League 2. And now, once this USL championship season is over, They'll be going into MLS Pro next. So this should be an exciting time. But unfortunately, Philadelphia, just too strong to handle. They played an excellent opening 45, the Red Bulls. That first half was very, very good by the Red Bulls. And if you really think about it, in the entire match, if you want to look at the entire match, the Red Bulls played their game. The problem is, when you switch off at the wrong time, you're going to get punished. And that's what happened against Philadelphia. They did not track back efficiently to allow the opening goal. And then Kyle Duncan was a little lackadaisical got stripped, and then Gazdag puts the ball in to make it 2-0, and that would be the end of that. Some people want to call this statement game. Well, you know what? That's true. This should have been a statement game. But once again, if they do face each other in the playoffs, it's going to be the same thing over and over. They've got to cancel each other out. But the only way the Rebels cannot lose to this team is by not switching off. And that's what they did. And sadly, that's why they lost that match. A slight lack of concentration, and they get stripped. So that's the shame of it all. And that's the truth. No bones about it. That is the truth of what we saw. And so the New York Rebels, they fall to the Philadelphia Union by a final of two goals to nil, but defeating Montreal by a goal to nil. But what does that but you know what what does that do for the rebels in the Eastern Conference standings? Well, I'll tell you what it does. It 
puts the Red Bulls in a good position because New York City FC continues to lose. They lose at the Revolution by a final of three goals to nil at Gillette Stadium. So at the moment, we have Philadelphia leading the Eastern Conference in first, Montreal in second with 52 points. Red Bulls remain in third. New York City FC are in fourth with 45. Orlando jumps to fifth. Columbus is in sixth. New England's in seventh. And Cincinnati right now in eighth. And still hanging around Miami in ninth. Toronto, Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, D.C. United in dead last. This Wednesday... New York City FC are going to take on FC Cincinnati. And that match is going to be played. Well, where will this match be played? Because the Yankees are home. On that midweek game. Apparently. It looks like it's going to be. At City Field. In Queens. So once again. New York City FC with their rotation of stadiums. Is added again. Since the Mets are on the road. I just don't understand why they don't want to play at a soccer-specific stadium like Red Bull Arena. I just don't understand it. But that's what's going to happen. So FC Cincinnati will be on the road. And if FC Cincinnati does the job and beats New York City, then the games played will be even. And away we go. So, still plenty of time, plenty of moments We'll see what happens. It's the most important thing right there, because if FC Cincinnati can get a, a draw or a win over New York City FC then these final four games will be very interesting, including the following weekend at Yankee Stadium. So that is the most important thing that we all need to know. Uh, Before we say goodnight, uh, let's go to Tom Edwards' situation real quick. Um, Tom Edwards no longer on loan with the New York Red Bulls because obviously his partner back in England – him and her are about to have a baby. Um, and so now he's officially on loan with Barnsley back in England in the championship. So all I can say is is that good luck to Tom. Uh, he was great while he was over here. And I do hope maybe if his time with, you know, when he's done with being at Stoke is over, that maybe he'd like to come back, hopefully, to the New York Red Bulls on a permanent uh, transfer. And, uh, you know, depending on how the situation is. Uh, We'll see what happens. But obviously, um, he was great when he was here. He was fantastic in the two years on loan that he was here. And I really do believe that he would be a great addition if he ever came back on a permanent basis. Hopefully we'll see if that does happen. But until then, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, good luck to Tom uh, Edwards and uh, and his loan deal at Barnsley. And hopefully uh, hopefully he'll come back to, him, to Major League Soccer and come back to the New York Red Bulls and uh, be on a more permanent basis if it's possible. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to tonight's show. Uh, thank you very much for your time uh, here on the Four Seasons Fire American Soccer Show. 
I hope everything is going well. And uh, for you, and once again, this coming Wednesday night, Open Cup Final, the Championship Final, Orlando City versus Sacramento Republic at Explorer Stadium in downtown Orlando, Florida. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long. And bye-bye for now.